0: This morning, I'd like to direct your attention to Psalm 42 and 43. And as you turn there, a few weeks ago, I preached a message on loneliness. You ever feel lonely? And if you've not heard that message, I would encourage you to go listen to that so that you can understand that there are some things about loneliness and depression linked together. These two messages will work together. Psalm forty two and forty three. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your ways they've gone over me. And by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the god of my life i say to god my rock why have you forgotten me why do i go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with a deadly wound in my bones my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long where is your god why are you cast down o my soul why are you in turmoil within me Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As we near the end of this summer series on songs of the broken heart. These are psalms of a lament. We are reminded that God's word deals with where you may find yourself today with a broken heart. And you long for relief but you don't know quite what to do. It is from that spot that God's word invites us in to see how others have felt that we feel like they did and we can see what they did, drawing wisdom out, identifying with them and growing in our walk with God. Learning To be what makes no sense. To be whole and be broken in the same moment. And as a reminder, and I unpack this more in the loneliness message. Faithless complaining is called grumbling in scripture. And we're warned not to do that. But... And faithless complaining is sinful because it basically does this. At its core, it accuses God of doing wrong. But lamenting, lamenting is something different. It's faith-focused complaining. And it does not impugn God with wrong. It's honest, even brutal, honest and groaning of what it's like to experience deep pain, deep loss. It's the place... Of where you come and you're transparently saying, This is what I feel in this moment. God's not offended with this type of faithful complaining. For you're bringing it to Him. In fact, He encourages it. And the Bible, even here in Psalms, shows us how we can do it right and do it well. The depths of human emotion become evident in these about a third of the Psalms. They're about brokenness. And today we all turn our attention to among the places of deepest brokenness, the place called depression. Do you ever feel depressed? You may not know this, but it's diagnosed regularly by physicians and prescription drugs are Prescribed for it. Antidepressants are one of the most prescribed drugs in America. According to NBC News, one in six Americans take a psychiatric drug. Most of them are antidepressants. And more than 85% of these prescriptions are long-term refills. And depression is painful. It impacts sleep. Those in it, all they want to do is sleep. Those in it cannot find sleep. They lack energy. They lose concentration. They have long-term feelings of hopelessness, of guilt, of worthlessness, of loss. They're listless. All of these are common symptoms. And for me... For me, I spent years functioning, yet feeling very depressed. Job pressure and my focus in places other than God-centered solutions allowed me to experience days. Those of you who are depressed know what it's like. Though the sun was shining, it did not shine. And though the sky was blue, it was not blue. I did not want to do anything that I once enjoyed. And, and if you asked me, what do you enjoy doing? I could not answer. Nothing sounded good and the pressure of decision, even the most simple decision, sometimes meant was too much. Now the focus of our series in these Psalms of the broken heart is what do we do with our pain. What do we do when confusion haunts us? How do we walk out our relationship with Christ in the midst of the most brokenness that we can find? All of us at some time or another will be laid out. Let's look at the details God has for us here, even here in Psalm 42 and 43. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do if you have your Bible is really to look down because I'm going to move quickly through and I wanna show you and I want you to hear what this is about. This Psalm was written by the sons of Korah. They were temple musicians who led worship and prayer and it's also identified as a maskil. skill. Design, these were designed to give us wisdom to instruct us about what to do. Now they do not always... Say, do this or that. They just show us what others have done when they found us feeling, found themselves feeling what we feel. It's also noteworthy that about 30 of the earliest manuscripts that we have, some of the best manuscripts, have 42 and 43 as one Psalm. And just remember, the numbers and the verses are not the inspired part of God's word. They were added later for clarification, breakages. But 42 and 43 work together. Likely, it was written about David. Some say it was written about Hezekiah as he was exiled from the kingdom, running for his life. What we know is we don't know for sure. But what we do know is this. A depressed soul was here. Look at verses one and two. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The psalmist is thirsty. His soul is crying out for God. He needs water, he's longing for spiritual water. This is his lot. Thirst is his lot. Plummer says what he's experienced is the absence of good. When your heart longs for God and good seems distant, we will find ourselves laid low. Verse two, he says, when will I see God? This word appear, Means exactly that. When am I going to see God? Now this is not literally gazing upon God. This is when am I going to see God in my circumstances? When am I going to see God in my valley? When am I going to understand? When am I going to come to grips? When am I going to get a glimpse? When am I going to have hope again? When? When? Verse 3. Tears are his food. Day and night. He either has no food. He may have no appetite. Morning is the food of the depressed. And he feels really bad. That seems like a gross, negligent understatement. He feels really bad. But if you look in verse 3, why does he feel so bad? Because he's not alone. He's being mocked. He's being mocked by others that impact him. Something has happened to where others have said. Something has occurred where they're saying, where is your God? And his heart calls out in his tears, where is my God? Verse 4, he goes on to remember that there were days that were better, which he's exiled from now, moving along with God's people where he was praising God and he had joy, but it's far from him now. And then in verse five, he asked the question we all ask why? He asked it here, he asked it in verse nine Why is my soul in this situation? Great loss. Illness, when things strike us blindly, bad comes, circumstances spiral us into depression. Now, in life, there's sadness and there's depression. How do you tell the difference? Grief or sadness according to Andrew Andrew Solomon, is this. Depression in proportion to circumstance is grief. But depression is grief out of proportion to circumstance. And I believe that there are three sources of depression. Circumstance, chemistry, meaning something organically is happening within your body, and then there is this spiritual depression. And sometimes these work coinciding with one another. Sometimes they're, they stand alone, but they happen. And it's wrongfully assumed that biblical counseling, which we are heralds of, that depression is solely treated as a sin. I'm going to repeat that. Some of you really believe that biblical counseling is treated, that we treat solely as a sin, If you're depressed somehow, it's thought that biblical counseling teachers... Well, they've done something wrong. Something has landed them there. This is not what Grace Fellowship teaches. Nor do we believe it to be necessarily so. It can be, but not necessarily so. We believe some great men and women of faith have struggled with seasons of depression... Yet sin was not the issue. Charles Spurgeon, Abraham Lincoln, David Brainer, King David, Job, Elijah, all men who struggled with not moments, but a lot of moments of depression. It could be sin, but it very well could be something else. A physician... Preferably a godly one if possible can help you determine if a physical or an organic issue is going on in your body contributing to depression. But all depression is not organic. All depression is not just something going on chemically requiring medication. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the circumstantial spiritual variety that leads us into depression. To what Spurgeon called the dark night of the soul. And when he called it the dark night of the soul, he was not talking about a momentary night and all is well the next day. He's talking about lingering depression. We can do something about it. Psalm 119, 105 tells us that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And in the time we have remaining today, I want us to see how God's word actually lights a path through depression and not always. I want you to hear me. Not always out, but through what do you And I believe Psalm 42 and 43 is kind of... There's a blueprint reflected here in the broader counsel of God's word. So what does this path look like? The path that we should get on. First, go to God with your why. Go to God with your why and keep asking and answering to get to the root. The whys of life are ever nearby. From the questions of a child, oh my, my daughter, our firstborn, I wanted her to talk so badly until she started talking. (laughs) And she began with the wise. And I remember one of the ones that struck me dumb in the moment. Daddy, why don't chickens have chins? It still screams, you'll never look at a chicken the same way again. (laughs) You won't. Why is there so much suffering? I know you ask. Why do we find ourselves in 2017? Where racism is not dead. Hunger and poverty and war and sadness... Linger all around us. When your soul longs for peace. But you get unrest. Your heart cries out why. When you lose something of great value. Your heart cries out why. Listen to me. Go to God with your why. But as you go to God with your why. I want you to understand. That why is invited. But I want you to understand. A why can land you in a couple of different spots. With it. We see that here. The first type of why is you go to God to help you navigate this because you cannot see the good. This is where you say, God, I'm blind. This is what the Psalter is saying in verse 1 and 2. He says, I am thirsty for you, God. My soul thirsts for you. When shall I come? When shall I appear? When shall I see what's going on? Help me navigate this, God. Why is this happening? Help me see through it. This is a position of confusion, which we all know, but looking to God to give us insight through it. That is the question why. Bring it. But there's a second type of why. And for those who hurt most desperately... I have found that they are most subject to being there and staying there. It's the cynical why. And it sounds like this. God, why are you doing this? God, you need to explain yourself. This is a position that deep down postulates that if God was good, why would you suffer? When God, when when good comes... And it is all all the time around us. When good comes, we might recognize it, but we don't always recognize that God is the source of it. God gets little credit for the good, but when bad occurs, when tragedy strikes, when lingering pain is present, God gets the blame. Let's just be honest. And frankly, folks, the scripture is clear that this is a sinful response. And it reveals what's going on in our hearts. That somehow we think that life should be about your personal happiness. And in a word, this is sin and advocates evil to God. And when we advocate evil to God, what we do is we sin. And sin is what we do when we're not satisfied with God. Sin creates voids in our life. And one critical one in in depression is the void of meaning in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardship. And we long to escape and find a place of comfort and peace. So we ask why, and we ask why to get to meaning. Look look with me again at the text. 42 and 43, verse 5. He asked, why are you cast down, soul? Soul, why are you cast down? Why am I laid low? Verse 9. Look at what he says in verse 9. God, why have you forgotten me? His feelings are screaming at him. Looking at the oppression that he's feeling all around him. Verse 10. Why must my soul be in the dark? With a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. He's basically saying my soul is eclipsed from the light. Verse 11, why are you cast down, soul? Why, verse forty, uh, chapter 43, verse 2, why must I be put in a place of mourning? Why must I be there? And then in verse 5, he comes again. It goes around, cycles. Why, soul? Why, soul? What's going on? Why are you downcast? These waves of questions. They are like waves that are breaking up over us, rolling us, grinding us, pounding us. Why? It's from this position that we need to be reminded of Psalm 61. That God knows where you are. And there's a place you can go. Psalm 61 verse 2 says this. From the ends of the earth. I call to you. When my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. That is the place. We are to go. The path through. Depression. Also guides us. To secondly, to carefully inspect your heart. Now listen carefully to this. Carefully inspect your heart for that one sin. And allow others who love you to come alongside and help you see the truth. When you have a heart attack you can learn a variety of terms that you might not be familiar with one that i found especially troubling yet quite interesting is the widowmaker which refers to the main artery down the front of the heart and when it gets a critical blockage at the beginning of the vessel it is referred to as the widowmaker which means that in that moment, a massive heart attack occurs and usually leads to sudden death, maybe before you even hit the floor. This one sin is a spiritual widow maker. The term that one sin is borrowed from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He called this that one sin because it has profound consequences, but it is often minimized in the life of faithful people. And it's minimized in light of other sin. We refer to it just like, oh, yeah, I've got this. I'm have got i dealing with a little bit of this. I'm just dealing with a little bit of this. The spiritual widow-maker. When Rosaria Butterfield was asked, how did God save her from homosexuality? As if that question poised to her as a tenured professor who struggled with homosexuality, as if that was the worst sin of all, she replied, God did not save me from homosexuality. He saved me from unbelief. This is that one sin This is that root sin. And much of our spiritual darkness, even of depression, is rooted in unbelief. When the psalmist says in verse 9, God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me? It's clearly an exaggeration, but it's also revealing. We see in it the root of unbelief. And so we must ask, unbelief in what? You say, well, Brian, if this is that one sin, unbelief in what? Well, all we have to do is look at Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith, where it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. What we are not believing in our moments of deep depression. And it's hard for us to get our hands around. We basically are doubting that God has good in store for us. That your life has meaning and purpose. I have found that when we ask why and we keep asking it appropriately, we can often get to that one sin. That sin of unbelief. Listen to the why progress from a counseling session. The counselor says, I cannot go on. I can't take this. Why? Because it hurts too much. And I'm tired. Why? Because I feel alone. Just keep asking. Why? Because I don't see God in this. He's abandoned me. He's not with me. Why? Because I don't trust Him. I trust what I'm feeling in this moment and in my interpretation of life that comes from these feelings I'm experiencing. See, unbelief is at the heart so often of much of our misery. And I am not saying that you are different than anybody else in that unbelief. But it, it, it is a reality. We lack trust. And it's the enemy that comes after your soul and wants you to stay there. The literal devil will come and he will slander God and he will call you to doubt God's goodness. It's his strategy from day one. He did it with Eve, he did it with Adam. He basically came along and said, Has God really said that? You're not going to die. God is holding out on you. If your eyes are open, you're going to be like God, you're going to know good and evil. That's going to be your reward. Doubting God's goodness. Doubting God's faithfulness. Doubting God's truth. Sometimes the depressed will find themselves saying. I believe God is good. And I can believe in God's goodness for others. They just have a hard time believing it for themselves. This is unbelief also. When you believe good for others but not for you. You say that God has something against you. Doubting the character of God's love. God loves you. And he comes after you. Seeking your heart. When Jesus was in his hometown. Matthew 13 tells us that he did not do many works there. He did not do many mighty works there. Because of one reason, the scripture tells us, because of unbelief. There is a connection between trust and seeing God's work displayed in your life. This does not mean that you get an instant miracle and you're cured. It means that you learn to walk through your pain. It means that you learn to walk through the hardship. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no test Has overtaken you that is uncommon. But God is faithful. Your depression will say God is not faithful. God's word says God is faithful. And you are going to be put square at the fork of decision. Will you trust God or are you going to trust your feelings? It also goes on to say that he will provide a way through it. That you can endure it. Meaning, yes, yes, sometimes the blues linger, those valleys stay, and you walk in dependence on God nonetheless to the praise of His glory. In the depths of my personal depression, I often thought that God had forgotten me. In the depths of my depression, I said one of the most shameful things that I say as a confession to my brothers and sisters in Christ that maybe even you have thought. I would say to my wife, I would not treat my kid this way. Looking at my circumstances, looking at my heartache, looking at my shame, looking at the pressures of my job, the lack of what I wanted to happen, all of those things pressed and unbelief was in my face. God was not giving me what I wanted, but he did give me what revealed the real me. God gave the real me that I was inwardly focused and concluding that God was absent. I was so focused on me that the darkness stayed. The path through depression. You've got to realize that you're in a battle and you must choose to fight. Look at verse 4 and look at verse 5. 42... uh, 42, verse 4. He he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, that I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude-keeping festival. In other words, you are seeing him take action. He's remembering of what he was doing before depression. How do you effectively battle? First, you got to get outside of you. You got to get some perspective outside of you. That's what he's doing here. And in verse seven, we see this this, uh, strange wording that we're not very familiar with. Deep calls the deep. This is a phrase that's been interpreted numerous ways, but I see in this context here, two key things. Something from verse five, he's in a desolate place, it's mountainous It's large and looming. He's in exile. He's thinking about the days where he was with community. And it's here that he remembers God. He remembers God. Do you remember God? In your depression? And though deep within his heart, it calls out. He's feeling like he's getting pounded, rolled in the surf. He hears the roaring waterfall and he reflects. Two things, verse eight. God commands his faithful love and at night his song is with him. Both of these are battle strategies for you. Say it to yourself. Say it to yourself. I want you to say it with me. Here we go. God is faithful. God is worthy of praise. Say it with me. God is faithful. God is worthy of praise. You and I are served in the pit by speaking truth to our heart. We say it at nauseum, you must preach to your soul. You got to talk to yourself and quit listening to your circumstances exclusively. Look, look. No one is minimizing what you feel. But you're going to make a choice of whether you're going to stay captivated captured by your feelings or if you're going to go to God with it very practical often physicians will say to those who are dealing with depression get outside the godly ones will say go look at God's creation be reminded that even tomorrow a tiny moon may block the sun but it won't be forever Help someone else engage your life with someone else that's in need. Second, when I say speak to your soul, how do you do battle? Speak to your soul. We need to get some passages written down for you and into your pocket. And I'm going to suggest Psalm, oh, excuse me, Isaiah 43. There are many others, but this is one of the best. It served me. It has served thousands of others. In Isaiah 43, he said, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Do you know why God said to his people, Fear not? Because they were what? Come on, they were what? They were afraid. Fear in this world happens. It'll wash over you. But God says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Verse seven, seven, everyone who is called by my name. Whom I created for my glory. Whom I have formed and made. You are my witnesses declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen. That you may know and believe me. There it is. That you may know and believe me. And understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed. Nor there shall there be any after me. And verse 11 caps it. For I am. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. Oh, the Savior from your deepest pit is alive and calls to you that he sees you and knows you. When our circumstances get so large, God gets reduced to the image of ourselves where we seem is as helpless and not the true image of God. And Isaiah reminded God's people, you belong to him. Your life matters to him. And he is God and there is no other. This psalmist here, he spoke to his soul. He said, my salvation and my God. Third, how can we effectively battle depression? How do we work our way through? By giving expanded, full focus on the person of hope. And that person has a name. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the full hope, the person of hope. Psalm, uh, the psalmist three times in this passage pulls our attention to where to place the hope in the midst of depression. In 42, five. In verse 11 and then in 43 5, he says, Hope in God, my salvation and my God. There is great deliverance available for those depressed by giving attention to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. John 1 14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen. His, His glory. Glory as the Son from the Father. And then I love this. Full of grace and truth. Do you know what your depressed soul needs? You need the grace that is Jesus Christ. Your depressed soul needs the truth that He is the victor over even death. And no, you feel like dying. He sees you and he brings grace and truth to you. I find it interesting that as we look at the psalm verse 11 and 42 and verse 5 and 43, the psalm does not say, Oh, victory, I'm out. It does not. In fact, the psalm has a bittersweet ending. It has a one day ending. It says, one day I shall praise him. I will praise him again. I will know joy again. I will know peace again. In my darkest days... And I asked my wife permission. We used to take walks. And sometimes I would say nothing. And my wife would reach over and put her hand on my neck. She'd pat my neck and she'd say, One day. One day. When your hope is placed correctly... That one day has meaning. One day there will be no more tears. There, there, there's not going to be any more fear. There's not going to be any more rejection. rejection. There's, there's not going to be any more loss. One day your dreams will be better than your dreams. And delight will replace your current dread. And it will be because Jesus is the victor over sin and death. Yes, your sin. And yes, your death. Let's pray. Lord, we hope in you. We have no other. Where else can we go? You have the words of life. For the man for the woman sitting in this room this day they're fearful because of depression in their life and maybe they're fearful because of depression in someone's life that they love oh God lead us to the rock that's higher than our circumstance our weakness our own sin lead us to you Make us new. Lead us to praise you again. In Christ's name.